You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey. Hello. Yep. Today we are celebrating Thanksgiving. It might not be Thanksgiving right the second while we're recording, but we're excited to be thankful for things. And we wanted to just take a few minutes to reflect on the things that we are thankful for. I think especially in a year like this year, it's easy to focus on the things that are not going well. But even when things are not going well, there's always lots of other things that are going well. So we're going to take some time to reflect on that. And I think that can be very interrelated with financial security, because if we're thankful for the things that we have and aren't so focused on the things that we don't have, a lot of times that can help us build that security and and be in a good position moving forward too. So we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about that today and just share a little bit of the personal things that we're thankful for. Corey, you want to tell us some of the things that you're thankful for? Sure. I mean, the list could be pretty long, especially this year. We remind ourselves all the the good things that we may have in our life when there's maybe not so good things going on around us. But I'd say family and friends, you know, thankful for for my family and and my friends, Uh, my health, my family's health. We're all knock on wood in uh, in pretty good health. So thankful for that. Hope it stays that way. Thankful to be employed and have a job this year and especially one or a career that that gives me control over my schedule because I think that's huge and we'll get into that a little bit more here in a few minutes, but being able to control your time is a a wonderful thing. And Rochelle, what are you thankful for? I think it's all the same things. (laughs) I think family is such a huge one, especially when you have to spend so much time with them like when you're in quarantine. So it's nice if you like your family. Um, I'm also really grateful this year for something that I don't know that I would have experienced if it hadn't been 2020 and quarantine, but we've gotten to know our neighbors really well, just people next door, people across the street. And like the thing that felt safest was spending time outside with people. And we spent the entire summer outside with people that it turns out we get along with very, very well. And we were able to do that safely. And that feels really good that, you know, you can find a space that feels safe and, you know, gives you a little bit of a sense of security in all these crazy times. Um, Health, again, obviously, that's a huge thing. And for me, the ability to work flexibly, but also work from home and to feel like by doing that, I'm, I'm able to keep things a little bit safer for my family because I have that flexibility to be able to work from home. That's been really, really nice for me. Um relating to like the work aspect, I'm very, very thankful for preschool. Not having it for three and a half months or whatever it was made me all the more grateful for preschool when my five-year-old daughter went back. And now she is back and it is a small group and it feels safe too. And just not having her underfoot while I'm trying to work at home has been amazing. And you know, one of those things that you wouldn't even think to necessarily be thankful for until you are missing it. So you know, definitely a good opportunity to feel appreciative this year, that's for sure. Seriously, yeah. It seems like you often don't realize the the good things that you have going for you until they're taken away. Yes. And then you realize <laughs> how much you miss them. 
So I think it's interesting here in in both of our lists are pretty similar, um, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of you who are listening have a similar list of things that you're thankful for. Um, it's rarely material objects that we're thankful for. You know, the the nice house, the nice car, nice watch, ni- whatever, you know, your PlayStation, whatever you're into. Um, it's usually people, health, family things. I mean, we could say money, but after a certain level, you know, once you've got your your basics covered, the, the food, water, shelter, and some basic necessities, and maybe a, a little bit of a flexibility for entertainment, you know, you're in good shape. The, the money is taken care of there. So any more money, yes, you could be thankful for for having, you know, millions of dollars, but, you know, what does that do for you, I think is the big thing. What are you able to do with it that benefits you and your life? Um, and I think the freedom to spend time and do things that you enjoy with the people you love is really the ultimate uh, the ultimate thing to be thankful for and having the health to be able to do it, which is one thing we can't control. You know, no matter how much money you have, you can't buy good health. So hopefully everyone mm-hmm. here is in good health and your family's in good health. You know, not everyone is fortunate to be in that situation, but um, enjoy it while you have it, I suppose. Absolutely. I think you often hear that saying that youth is wasted on the young. And I think that's <laughs> very true where, you know, you don't realize that you should be grateful for something until it's gone, very similar to the other things that we talked about. And even just talking to people my parents' age who, you know, my parents are in their 80s and they're starting to lose friends and and things like that. And it's wanting to be grateful for being 37 (laughs) and and not having to experience that quite yet. I think that's an important thing to reflect on too, especially when there are a lot of people right now that are losing loved ones. Yeah, and, and, you know, some of it's due to COVID, some of it's other reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, I was talking with my dad the other day, and he's not quite as old as your parents, but um, you know, he's in that boomer generation. And uh, one of his good friends, um, the, the they kind of, they're his, his good friend's about, I think, 10 years older than him, but they, they still um, you know, did a lot of stuff together, especially when they lived closer together before. Um, when I was a young kid, but anyways, he just, I guess, dropped out of what they think was a heart attack. Um, and he had had some health issues and he had cancer a few years ago and miraculously recovered from that. And it's, it wasn't so much that he passed away. It was just more that as you get up there, it happens more common. Like these are your contemporaries that are Mm -hmm. passing away. It's not just, Oh, like, you know, when we're recording this, um, you know, we've seen a number of, uh, celebrities pass away in recent times, but Sean Connery is a, a big icon that passed away not too long ago. And it's like, Oh, that's a bummer. He passed away, but he was 90 years old. So it, it's not that unexpected right. if you will. But when you start getting closer to 90 years old and, and your friends are, are, are dropping, then it, it's, it almost is a little bit more expected. And you wonder is, is it my time next? So mm-hmm. you, you probably do appreciate those, those things a little every day, Every day the sun comes up and you get to see it, it is more meaningful and more enjoyable. And yeah, we don't we take that for granted. Sitting here in our mid thirties, um, you know, it's how do we survive the day with little kids in our house, <laughs> and, and we may not really take the time to actually enjoy those moments like we should. The ultimate struggle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and I think one thing that money does do for us is that it, it gives us more control over the time that we are able to spend enjoying the things that we enjoy and spending time with the people that we love. Um, and so I do think that obviously money is important to satisfy our basic needs and also to give us a little bit more flexibility. And that's that's something that we can focus on with the financial side of it. It's just like how do we practice being content and maybe not overspending so that instead we can use that money to be more flexible, to maybe work less or maybe retire a little bit early if that's what you want to do and so things like that. So there's lots of things that we can think about in relation to American lifestyles today and what the expectation is for how we spend our money and then take a second to reflect and compare that to what's actually important to you. Like what do you actually want? Is it that you want it because you want to compare favorably to your neighbors or is it something that you want because it will actually improve your life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's dive into these a little bit more because I think they're important. Absolutely. Um, you know, there, there's, I guess, two ways to achieve financial independence, and uh, it's either earn more so you can save more or spend less so you can make do with what you have and get there faster. Um, you know, either way works, you know, no right or wrong, and, and, and you know, you got to have a, a surplus of what you spend compared to what you earn. So there's extra left over that you can set aside to support your lifestyle when you're no longer earning that income. And how do we create that, especially in a day and age, you know, with the Instagrams of the world where everyone knows what everyone else is doing, everyone sees everyone else's vacations and cars and purchases and um, just human psychology, herd animals, we want to keep up with the Joneses. We feel like we deserve to live the same lifestyle as our neighbors and our friends, even though our incomes may be considerably different or our financial circumstances may be considerably considerably different. You know, who knows? Maybe they inherited a large sum of money from someone or maybe they've got a, a trust fund that, you know, they their parents set up for them and, and they're able to live a, a lifestyle beyond what it appears they should be able to based on their career and earnings. Um, you know, you don't, you may not know that uh, about them. So, you know, looking at yourself, again, getting back to what's important to you, you know, is the big house, the fancy cars. I think we've talked about it before, but worth reiterating, like houses built today are almost twice the size of homes built in the 1970s. You know, think about that for a minute. And family size has decreased. Mm -hmm. You know, the average house today has more bathrooms than it does people living in it. <laughs> Which is that's kinda, kind of crazy to think about more it, bathrooms than people living in it <laughs> correct it is kind of crazy to think about i feel like that's very uniquely american <laughs> it is you know there is a convenience factor to not have to like walk upstairs to go to the bathroom let me just go to this one right by the entryway or kitchen mm -hmm. or whatever um you know in home ownership too like before World War II, like most people were not homeowners. We didn't have mortgages for 30 years at low interest rates that people could get and finance at 80 plus percent of the loan value. Like you, you had to either pay cash or, you know, put a 50% down payment and pay it off in five years. This whole long-term mortgage thing didn't exist until, you know, soldiers came home from the war that created GI bills and uh, made it easier for Americans to get mortgages. The introduction of credit cards back in, I think, the 50s mm -hmm. made it easier for consumer spending to expand. Um, so, like, the things that we have today are, are relatively recent phenomenons. You know, homeownership has gone from, like, 
maybe 40% of Americans in the, you know, pre-World War days to, you know, mid 60% today, um, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. I think home ownership is a great way to build wealth, but how much home do we actually need? The more home we buy, the less money we have to go towards other things, which can make it more challenging to get to financial independence and enjoy the things that we like. And like we said earlier, a lot of people going down that list of what you are thankful for, I'm sure there's some people that say they're thankful for the house that they have, but most of you probably aren't saying, I'm thankful for my house. You know, you're, you're saying you're thankful for the people who live in your house, but not the roof and the doors and the walls itself. So not saying we need to, you know, downsize our houses or anything, but that's just one example of, you know, what do we need versus what do we want? What are we willing to maybe sacrifice a little bit on to ultimately get to our end goal to enable us to do the things we like to do with the people we like to do them with when we want to do them, you know, being able to, to do things on your own terms. And I think a lot of our clients have a really good opportunity to kind of manage their expectations because when we're working, especially with young physicians who are in medical school, living on student loans, they go through a handful of years of training where they're making fairly average money. Like at that point, to a certain extent, you're setting expectations then. And then when we switch over and we're making a much larger expectation or income at that point in time, how much are we adjusting our expectations of what our lifestyle is at that point? Like if we can manage to, to keep our expectations in check with our income and maybe direct more of that money towards savings or, or other things that are going to make your life enjoyable instead of adjusting your expectations upward very quickly, like that can be very helpful. Like the the expectations that we set early on are going to influence what those are later too. Like we can't, it's very, very difficult to like run ahead and increase your expectations and then try to dial it back later on. Like that's not something that we do very well as human beings. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So I do think that, that people have a big opportunity to do that, to, to look at that increase in income and, and not let it run away with them, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, your income is going to most likely rise throughout your career, but with that will come rising expectations of what you can do with that income and what you expect your lifestyle to be like, especially when you're surrounded by other people mm-hmm. um, in a similar peer group and income bracket as you. you know, depending on your specialty, it could vary, but like... To your point, Rochelle, when you're in residency, your income is what fifty to seventy thousand, depending on you know what PGY year you are and and what uh, where in the country you're you're located. But let's just say somewhere in that ballpark, and you seem to manage to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lavish lifestyle, but you're you're okay. Um, you're doing just fine. And then income doubles, triples, quadruples, quintuples, or even more overnight and you know potentially continues to rise from there well if you were okay on a sixty thousand dollar income and now your income is three hundred thousand that's a big leap you can definitely afford to increase that lifestyle but if you keep your standard of living for the most part similar and you take that excess income and do productive things with it you can ultimately get to that point of financial independence sooner and again, enjoy the things that you yeah. like to do with the people you like to do them with when you like to do them. You know, if you're grinding away on call 
four nights a week and every other weekend and, you know, working 12 hour days and you never get to go outside and do fun things or Mm -hmm. spend time with your kids or go to sporting events or concerts when those things were allowed. (laughs) Um, They will be again someday. (laughs) Someday. Uh, It's like, what are we doing? You Mm -hmm. know, Um, we don't necessarily have to strive for greater income. I think the the piece that when we had Jimmy Turner on the podcast uh, earlier this year, and he was talking about uh, physician burnout and how getting rid of his debt and paying it off aggressively really has been a, a huge benefit to them because it's put him in a position where he doesn't have to work full time anymore. Right. You know, the, the, there's those large fixed monthly payments between student loans, car loans, whatever other consumer debts they have are out of the picture. And with that, that gives you a lot of flexibility. Like if mm-hmm. your mortgage is a few thousand dollars a month and then just on top of that, you have utilities and grocery bills, like you've got a lot of flexibility. You could say, you know what, I'm not going to work that much. I'm only going to work, you know, 80% FTE. I'm not going to take weekend call, you you know, give me a pay cut. That's cool, but I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And I do like to think of that financial independence separately from retirement. I think a lot of people focus on, you know, if I'm financially independent, that means I can retire whenever I want to retire. And that that's true. If you get to the point where you can sustain your lifestyle long-term, But the other thing that financial independence does is it gives you the flexibility right now, even if you don't want to retire, to work more on your schedule and create that flexibility in your life so you can do more of the things that you love. And I think people do focus on that retirement piece, maybe not too much, but I I don't like the idea of focusing on it exclusively and not focusing on the other piece of it, which is more just working on your own terms. Bingo. And, and I think, like you said, Jimmy Turner, he, the physician philosopher, if you guys haven't looked him up before, he's amazing. But he has that, that same thing going on where it's just more of a focus on working the way that he wants to work now instead of just focusing on retirement exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. if you can become financially independent, that doesn't mean you have to quit working. You can just work on your own terms, uh, and which will make work fun. Like most of you, I think, got into medicine because you enjoy – medicine, you enjoy interacting with patients, you know, doing procedures, whatever, teaching, if you're an academic, like research, whatever you got, what are the reasons you got into medicine for? Um, You you can actually get back to really doing it for those things rather than trying to fill out EMRs to maximize your RVUs for the hospital billing system and then, you know, pay all your bills. And and that's not fun. Um, That's not what you signed up for. It's, It's annoying and miserable. And so if we can get back to taking over control, taking ownership of our finances, which will enable us to have more power and say no to more things, and we can negotiate the terms of our contract because th- we've got the upper hand. Like they say, no, you need to work this, this, and this. Say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go work elsewhere at another employer if you're not going to give me these things that I want. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be higher pay. It just means I want more flexibility, more control of my schedule, more vacation days, less call, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Um, like I, I know one doctor who, you know, part of his contract has to take call. He'd literally just pay other doctors to take his call for him because he didn't want to do it. And <laughs> like he'd pay him a thousand dollars every shift or day or whatever that they would take call. And you know, these young hungry docs would come in and be eager to do that and, and make some extra money. Um, and he was like, "Yep, I can afford it. Like <laughs> I don't need the money, so I'll just pay these other guys to do the work for me." And yep. I can, it's worth it for me to spend a thousand dollars to be able to get sleep at night 
And uh, that sounds like a win-win. Yeah, those young doctors are probably very happy for the the call shift plus the extra oh, bonus. Exactly, <laughs> for sure. So, um, definitely some food for thought. You know, how can we structure our life and you know structure our financial picture to getting back to that central theme, doing the things we enjoy doing with the people we want to do them with on our own terms. Awesome. I would love to hear from our listeners about what they are thankful for and what they enjoy. So if anyone wants to just drop us a line, like on social media or like at the the podcast at thefinitygroup.com is our email address. Right, Corey? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> or tag us on you know, social. Send a, yeah, send us an email, whatever you want to do. But we'd love to hear like what you guys are grateful for, especially this year. 2020 has thrown some curveballs. It's been really interesting. But I think everyone still probably has some things to be thankful for. I'd curious I'd be curious to hear what they are. Maybe it's just the same stuff over again. Family, health, friends. Yeah. yeah. But or any other additional thoughts you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if if everything goes according to plan this should this should release on the monday of thanksgiving week so it'll give people a few days before thanksgiving and it'll run for well it'll be on the internet forever but <laughs> to uh a full two weeks before the next episode arrives so yeah enjoy thanksgiving and the time with your your loved ones or whatever you're doing to enjoy yourself and maybe ask yourself how can i structure my life to enjoy those things more and um and yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for listening and and making this podcast so much fun for Rochelle and I. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP. Instagram at Corey Janoff or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanden Rochelle or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanden. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC. 